You still calling them Basil, are you? Oh, it's good enough for Gary Neville. That's my rule, as you know. Listen, I just think it's really important to say that apart from Set Blatter, none of those people have yet been proven to be being racist and and i'm not saying that that means they're not i'm just saying we all assume that john terry's probably not a very nice man but the louis suarez thing i i think it's so vitally important to remove club loyalties from it and absolutely yeah so you know louis suarez has allegedly been a massive racist allegedly yes yes so i mean he's been he's been charged with the fa and and some people would say that there's unlikely to be smoke without fire but but uh i think you know we don't have a constitution but in the unwritten constitution of our land we we say people are innocent until proven guilty and there's been no proof yet and and that will be the case until the fa you know brings down a judgment it's with the compliance unit at the moment and and we'll find out i mean it's not like the fa is you know moving quickly on this one so it could still take some time and and they won't look at the john terry thing until the police are finished with it you know i don't think that you can have this conversation without nuance racism is an incredibly complex and vast subject and there are lots and lots and lots of different types of racism which have uh, similar origins but don't play out the same way and definitely there's definitely a sliding scale from promoting the genocide of people that look different to you and using insulting language and thinking of someone as less than and then having you know a bunch of subconscious attitudes that you're not even aware of or having very outdated views based on based on the shape of society 50 years ago and an education which lied to you about the nature of humanity when we talk about set blatter and john terry and luis suarez you know all the nuances are in there aren't they i mean blatter as we said before we started recording this is uh, is an old white guy and has holds the views of you know that many old white guys do and it's not that he was in his uh, interview with cnn overtly racist himself but in denying that racism exists and thinking it's it's all a bit of a joke and a bit of a banter and it's heat at the moment and you should just solve it all with a handshake he's he's obviously extremely ignorant about about the topic and, and then and then different still from the alleged use of language by john terry and luis suarez and suarez defense appears to be and i actually think he's got himself in hot water with this one it appears to be oh it's okay in my country well you know sorry mate but you've been in europe for five years you should you should have worked this one out by now you know allegedly it's really interesting because both of their defense is uh, well john terry's defense is is no i didn't context yeah, yeah. It's, it's about context he's saying and for whatever reason there's something about there's something about the terry case where the idea that he said i didn't just do this and he called him a knobhead you know uh, and then used really nasty language and said the idea that, that doesn't seem ridiculous to me that john terry might have done that because he's not very bright but then it's also possible that he actually said it, it it's horrible thought to think that he would he would do that but it's a, just a, a nasty thing and the, the suarez thing is really interesting because like you say there's there's incredible hot amount of hot water i mean really what he's basically saying is yeah i racially abused him through ignorance i i, I think actually the the um i mean as far as i can understand the fa would not have brought a charge without Suarez doing that interview uh, last week yeah where he's yeah well i mean he's i mean he hasn't actually said the words but it's been implied and it appears to be that 
is you know it's, it's obviously been briefed that that his defense is calling someone a negro in in uruguay is perfectly acceptable yeah and and it's not here and it's not anywhere in europe i i just think it's 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 not a defense ignorance is not a defense it's not you know if we're, we're talking about innocent until proven guilty then another key facet of the law in most countries is that ignorance of the law is no defense i mean the, the other thing is like you can say that that's like an okay word to use to describe people of a particular type of okay so say the word potato became a totally acceptable way of describing white people oh yeah that guy that that's a gang of potatoes over there right if you if you used I'm, I'm using a ridiculous word to to completely separate it from emotive language if you're in, confronted with a person who is white then and you and you're having a go at them and you shout potato 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 over and over again r- regardless of whether that's an acceptable word or not you're using race to define the person that you're talking to because because yeah. my understanding of Suarez's argument isn't that like negro is used like just anyone saying it to anyone else it's a it's an acceptable way of describing people of an ethnicity, mm-hmm. right? That's that's his argument. But like, okay, so in in America, you one would say African American. In in England, definitely no massive backlash against using the word black in 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 context. But if if you said to someone, oh, black guy, black guy, black guy, black guy, black guy, you're being racist. It's not about the terminology. It's about using race as a defining characteristic. Yes, and and the context of that conversation was that he was trying to wind Patrice Evra up. This is a question for the FA, but I'll put this rhetorically. Are we to believe that Luis Suarez really ran around the pitch going, all right, mate, hello mate how you doing mate which is what his his argument is that it, it was um it was a bit of friendly banter so i'm not sure i buy that but but again uh, not for me to judge it it will be uh, in the fullness of time in the all-knowing fa's investigation the set blatter thing though i, I really think it it should be a resignation issue because yeah yeah absolutely and no doubt about that yeah. to demonstrate that level of ignorance about what racism means that that's the bottom line of, of what he why what he said was massively racist was it completely denied the intensity of racism uh, uh, you know it's like it put it in the same context as any kind of on-field disagreement a firm challenge you know that that someone didn't like the 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 cut of a tackle that you can that you can shake hands with at the end of the game shouting oh you're a such and such you're, you're horrible the referee should have booked you you know that you can shake hands at the end of the game but racial abuse this is a man who's head of FIFA and uh, he claims that FIFA's doing loads of great work he's just undone it in one game yeah. I mean he's, uh, he, his position is completely untenable I mean in any other large organisation any list, publicly listed company uh, any kind of politician around the world they would go immediately and uh, it's it's just incredible he will probably stay in his job because FIFA's untouchable you see the important thing here is is that FIFA's main sponsors Visa Coca-Cola Samsung should turn around and say that was not acceptable yeah I, I mean at Stan Collimore was written to him all I, I really liked what he was saying on Twitter really liked the fact that Rio just went just completely un, unpolitical about it just saying exactly what he felt about it on Twitter it's interesting to see that being like the lead news story on the BBC website Rio Ferdinand says something on his Twitter feed it's like okay. yeah the, the, the interesting thing here is I mean there's, there's obviously the international context here FIFA are, are 
and we've seen this already trying to dismiss this as a just a british thing you know it's it's sour grapes about not getting the world cup and and it is true that the reaction in the british media is is way more than than in other media apparently uh, you know not that i've read every paper on the planet in the last couple of days but anecdotally at least that that appears to be the case and he is something of a hate figure amongst the the british media so it's been amplified and obviously there's a suarez and terry thing and it's, it's obviously hot news at the moment but i would hope that sensible media people and administrators and sponsors particularly because money always talks uh, will, will come out and also say like like rio has you know this is not acceptable yeah well uh, uh, you know there are many 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 things wrong with our country but racism has been raised to a level of public discourse in this country that it hasn't in other parts of the world and there are many people that think that that's because we're politically correct gone mad uh, but i'm definitely one of the people who think that it's a, a tremendous credit to our country that there is a significant public discourse about racism it's not to say there's no problem with racism in, in england because there are huge problems with racism in england but yeah the fact is it's it's not i don't i do not see this as anything to do with the world cup i mean you said set blatter's position is untenable the thing is of course that the set blatter's position has been untenable of as a leader of any sane organization for you know as long as he's been in charge basically set blatter's just an untenable man clearly the the pr department at, at fifa kind of realized this pretty quickly and started putting statements out in a hilarious post on fifa.com with set hugging a random black guy you know hey look i'm not a racist i've got some black friends and uh, there is the the quite brilliant set blatter with black people dot wordpress.com a collection of pictures with sep and uh, and his many black friends including robert mugabe a lovely chap there yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah everyone's yeah i mean the 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 thing about it is, is why I said about the thing about nuance, because being hugely ignorant about racism and not understanding the impact of it, it doesn't make you evil. It makes you unfit to lead an organisation like FIFA, who have a leading role to play in racism and have to deal with racism all the time. You know, uh, for for like a, a an old chap not to have a good understanding of the nature of racism, like it's a shame and, and the world would be a much better place if people really understood the issue. But it does not make him evil like Sepp Blatter does not hate black people you know I suspect that John Terry probably doesn't hate black people he just can't control his language allegedly well yeah and 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 if it's true if he did racially abuse Anton Ferdinand it shows that he's got some really messed up attitudes hidden in him mm-hmm. but you know that, that the issue it's just such a complex issue it's just such a deep uh, fundamentally complex part of humanity you know people the, the way society affects our psyches and all this kind of stuff anyway like blah 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 yes well all this will play out I, I suspect that um, I mean maybe the FA does want to take a stance and we'll see it's going to be very hard for them not to not to hand down a ban to Luis Suarez now uh, now that they, they've clearly seen enough evidence to find a charge so we'll see with that one John Terry is uh, is a little more difficult because uh, there's some you know very key nuances there and, and it, it will depend on the evidence given but that's going to take a long time I think uh, given the police are looking at it and, and FIFA I think nothing will change so uh, we'll probably still be having this debate uh, you know on multiple occasions in the you know, in the season because uh, Sepp will be there and he'll continue putting his foot well and truly in his mouth and, and you know he's, it's not the first time he's had offensive views on women gay people so and uh, he hasn't gone before so I suspect nothing will happen this time anyway 
the, on this week's Right On cast. Uh, international football. Before we get to international football, uh, since we last met, there has been a game, a game of very little historical significance, but a moment of tremendous historical significance in the annals of Manchester United. I, I certainly didn't hear any whisperings whatsoever of uh, the renaming of the North Stand, but the Sir Alex Ferguson stand is in effect. What did you think of all that? Yeah, aside from the fact they put the S in Ferguson upside down, which was rather hilarious gaff there. I, I, I mean, it's a great gesture, isn't it? And it's nice. I, I can't help but think we now have a hundred foot high shadow in, in which the next guy is going to have to work. I mean, I, it was always going to be there, metaphorically at least. Now it's physically there in six foot tall letters uh, and, you know, on the other side of the pitch from the dugout where the new man will have to look at it every day. So, look, it's fully deserved, clearly. So apparently a statue being commissioned or something like that too. And, and you know, we, we would expect nothing less. Yeah, I mean, a, a well-deserved honour, I thought, and and in very appropriate. And, and yeah, OK, so it's it's a, a shadow for the next person. But in a way, it's just bringing to life, as you say, the shadow that would have existed anyway. And I, I just think, I just think what an incredible honour. And, and how, they did pretty well to keep it a secret, I thought. Did you hear anything? Did you, was it a complete surprise to you? Com- complete surprise to me, yeah, yeah, complete surprise. And Ferguson apparently had heard nothing either and we've talked about how much he can control he has at the uh, other club yeah and apparently they got the contractors to sign NDAs and it was super super secret so yeah Mike Phelan knew apparently and is thus for the sack because uh, he didn't didn't tell the boss did you watch the game I, I was I did. Out, I did I was out of the country injuring myself in, in uh, the world of rocks versus Paul's knee rocks won Knee nil. Was it, was, it, was it even a contest, to be honest? Yeah, um, I did watch the game. It was a uh, pretty average performance, much, much along the, the lines of uh, you know, recent recent United performances, really. I just about did enough. I mean, thanks to Agent Wes Brown. They, they always come back to help, don't they? Yeah. Um, uh, he's, he's got a wonderful record of scoring own goals as well, Wes Brown. He's got loads of them. And, and uh, first trip back to Old Trafford, and he, he puts on his own net. Wonderful. Uh, but, but really... Uh, it could have gone either way that game. I mean, Sunderland, Sunderland didn't have a lot of penetration. That's their problem. I mean, you know, Nicholas Bentner talks a good game, but he's rarely performed a good one. And, and it didn't really look like they were ever about to score Sunderland, but they had plenty of plenty of the game, you know. And uh, I guess they could f- feel a little unlucky that they didn't get something. Uh, and and uh, yeah, very odd penalty decision given, and then not given. Only I mean, correct decision in the end, but a really really odd way of going about it with the ref having you know given it and then cancelled it. So. Yeah, yeah, it, w- it was indeed nice of Steve Bruce to keep up his his record on the football ramble. They were suggesting that his pre match team talk would have literally been like, right, we're not going to spoil his big day <laughs> you know 25 years we're not going to win today Comp- uh, yes he's, he's never has he ever taken a point off Sir Alex he's definitely never won a game I, I don't I don't think I think he's that 17 defeats in a row um, or something like that isn't it yeah I, I can't remember exactly but yeah it's horrendous record I don't, it, it, apparently Ferguson hates nothing more than his uh, ex-players coming back and getting points so and, and not many of them have, have done that well against the boss no absolutely right so then the Sunderland game not not much of tremendous note apart from the incredible accolade of of naming renaming a stand after the boss and then, and then we had some uh, lovely international football uh, I watched both England games I say that I watched one of them on I had recorded it and played it back at double speed that was the Spain game <laughs> 
That's probably probably the right speed to play back at, yeah. Yeah, it was actually. It was made it sort of bearable and then I watched the uh, I watched the first sixty minutes of the game against Sweden and just completely gave up at that point. That's sixty minutes of your life you'll never get back. I suddenly realised I'm sat here next to my computer, I could be playing Skyrim and instead I'm watching this England game. That seems like a very poor life choice. So I think I'm fairly well on the record here of, of saying I don't enjoy international football. I, I, I didn't enjoy either of those games. To be honest, I mean, Spain, the Spain game, I mean, if, if, you, hadn't, if you didn't know the score and you just thought they'd cut the goals out, you'd, you'd have thought Spain would have hammered England and just didn't quite happen like that. It was, uh, I mean, actually what happened to Spain is, is uh, anti-football beat them and it's, this is uh, has happened quite a few times in the last couple of years for Spain now. They, they've not done so well in friendly matches and, and even the, the few competitive defeats I've had, I think Switzerland in the World Cup uh, are when you know, teams park the bus fully and uh, England certainly did that and uh, it was pretty god it was pretty negative I'm mean, pretty negative against Sweden as well and, and may- maybe this is uh, Fabio's new tactic you know flood, flood the t- I mean we had three defensive midfielders starting in Sweden and one of them was Phil Jones a, a defender who actually you know, actually had a pretty good game I thought yeah I was going to say I don't think there's much of any interest really to get out of the England games and it's, it's definitely not our job to talk about England but uh, Phil Jones's performance I thought very I mean okay I watched it at double speed but I, I didn't think he looked great against Spain I thought he actually looked a little bit lost yeah well they ran rings they ran rings around him yeah but I mean they, they, you know the, that Spanish midfield run, runs rings around most players uh, of you know much more experience and midfield talent than than Phil Jones so I mean I, I do kind of understand why Campello wants to try him there because it's an option right and, you know, England is not blessed with uh, you know world-class defensive midfielders I mean Scott Parker's the answer then it's uh, an interesting one I mean he, he's he's a good and sort of honest and workmanlike player but not one with you know, huge amounts of talent but Phil Jones definitely does have huge amounts of talent he thought I thought he was a really excellent Excellent in midfield against Sweden, working at the back of a three, the most defensive of all the defensive midfielders on show. Uh, Gareth Barry getting the number ten shirt there for England. Um, God, it's just deeply, deeply offensive. Yeah, and apparently he's been given the goal. There's some debate about whether it'd be an own goal. God, <laughs> that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was clearly an own goal. But anyway, but I thought Phil Jones was was really good, and obviously there was the one moment with the gut-busting run, yep. um, getting himself one-on-one with the keeper, and he. He did real good. I think he's probably done done enough to get himself a, a place in the Euro 2012 squad there. And, and I, I guess Wayne Rooney will also go. Danny Welbeck will probably go too. I mean, Palo likes his versatility. Um, that might be it because, I mean, Rio's touch and go. I, 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 you know, the word is that Capello wants him to go, but he's got to he's got to actually start playing for United. And, and we've talked about Rio now being a squad player at United. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Carrick is nowhere to be seen on the England scene. Rooney will probably go even though he's got the ban I mean it makes sense doesn't it England are actually going to do anything in the latter stages and they need their best player and then and then a few other squad players from you for a few other players in the United squad will, will also go as well obviously Portugal stunning win over Bosnia did you see the Nani goal? What a goal. Cracking, cracking strike. Yeah, it's a 35 yards out and right into the top corner. Fine, fine goal. Um, and Ireland are qualified and uh, I suppose Darren Gibson might be part of that squad. He's got to get a, he's got to get a game first somewhere uh, for him to go. You didn't mention Chris Smalling in the England squad. Uh, yeah, Chris Chris Smalling will... Uh, yeah, he should. I mean, it looks like he'll, he'll certainly compete for the right-back spot, won't he? Yeah interesting interesting one and and I mean I think you take him for that great versatility as well because you know he can
can cover at centre back incredibly effectively because he's a centre back. Yeah. Any other United players play in different European countries? Oh, um, well, I guess David De Gea is he third choice Spanish goalkeeper? Yeah, he's playing with the under 21s at the moment. So they've, they've obviously uh, Casillas, Victor Valdez, and Pep Reina. So uh, it all it, was, it seems unlikely that he'll go. Actually, I mean, this Spanish under 21. They won twice, and they've you know got a fine record. So at the moment, that's where he is, and doesn't look like uh, he's likely to to get a Euro 2012. Probably Thomas Cusack won't either. He can't he can't get in it. I mean, he played a couple of games last year, Cusack for Poland, but he's not being selected at the moment because he can't get in the the United side. Can't can't get in the United squad. Uh, apparently, he's a slave. Uh, he said some pretty rude things about Ferguson, whether he claimed he was a slave or not either. So unlikely he'll go either. Uh, one interesting thing to note, though, uh, Ron Robert Zeeler uh, played for Germany in the week in the friendly against Holland, which is um, he was at, he was at United as a youth for five years, and uh, United arranged a move to Hanover for him last last summer, last well, summer 2010, and and uh, he's gone from being sort of fourth or fifth choice at United behind Ben Amos in the reserve pecking order to being uh, likely to be on the plane going to Euro 2012. Yeah, that's, it's an incredible turnaround. It's uh, He's just one of those, isn't he? He's a Giuseppe Rossi, a Gerard Piquet, you know, players that all go on to bigger and better things once they leave United not not that many that it happens to but but there's a few not, not that many a few yeah and and not, Anderson Indergaard played for Denmark um, they they've um, qualified so they, I mean I don't think he's first choice at the moment Indergaard because he's, he's not first choice for United but uh, but he's certainly in the squad so he, he played one of their friendlies in the, in the past week so he's likely to be on the plane as well but, yeah, having said that I mean there's there's, uh, there's quite a lot of United players that are either not playing international football at the moment or you know retired or or whatever so I, I don't think it'll be a really heavy summer for United and Ferguson probably be thankful for that one uh, we didn't mention Ashley Young of course part of the England set up Ashley Young injured at the moment injured at the moment yeah Look, looks like he'll be back for the game with Swansea at the weekend uh, after suffering this sort of toe problem he's had over the last few weeks so we've had a few uh, Twitter questions one of them was from at Gaz Brown he said I think I read something about Suarez and Blatter can you discuss that I think we may may just have covered that one uh, interesting question from Andy 27 P, you mentioned Luis Nani's spectacular goal for Portugal. More speculation about him getting a move. Andy was asking if if he went for big money in January, would what would you think of that? I think it seems no. There's there's not a not a chance that'll happen. Yeah, his birthday today is. Oh or... yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's probably contract renewal time in Nani, isn't it? So it'll be an interesting one. Whether they, I mean, now he's a sort of you know, I guess one of the leading players at the club, isn't he? So they will have to reward him accordingly so there's a lot of speculation that the uh, various European clubs are interested in taking him but I'd, I'd be really surprised if Ferguson wants to cash in I mean what would be the point uh, had to go off and find another talented player to fill fill in the squad and and it's not like Nani uh, has been Ronaldo-esque in his uh, desire to push away from the team I, at one stage I thought he'd go because of the, the kind of tensions between uh, him with the contract situation and you know, in and out of the team on he dropped out of the team for much of the sort of run-in last season, didn't he? And uh, yeah, the continued speculation fed by his agent about uh, a move to Europe uh, didn't die down. So it doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. No, and and I, I think that Nani's more valuable than the money. You know, he's, as, as discussed at length, he's a very frustrating player, does a lot of, you know, does a lot of things that make you kind of raise your eyebrows to the heavens, but incredibly effective, actually. He's just, he, he he's 
his stats are are brilliant. Uh, he, he over the course of a season, he will make a substantive difference to Manchester United's success or otherwise. Yeah, he will. I mean, he's he's got. I mean, if you uh, compare his first hundred games with Ronaldo's first hundred games, he they scored about the same amount of goals, and 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 he's got three times as many assists. So, I mean, that tells you something. It depends whether he can kick on, right? I mean, he's got the talent. Anyone who can do what he did to, uh, against Bosnia, one touch turned and then smacked it around the top corner it's phenomenal talent was he uh, those hundred games played with him being older than Cristiano Ronaldo was yeah yeah that's right I mean what, he's a year and a bit younger uh, than than uh, Ronaldo but yeah really broke into the United team a, a couple of years later than Ronaldo did at the same stage of his career. yeah I think that's really significant because I mean oh, you know wow I'd absolutely love to be wrong about this but I, it would very much surprise me if Nani ever scored 45 goals in a season or whatever that just doesn't doesn't seem like it's on the cards he, he's not he's not in the same you know category of as Ronaldo and it's unfair to make that comparison because because there's really only Leo Messi that, that you know can stand on the same pedestal as Ronaldo in, in modern football so um, yeah but look all we want from Nani is, is for him to harness those talents in a consistent way and, and, and use the ball in the right way at the right time and, and he's got the whole package it's just about putting it together at the right time and, and that's where he's frustrating a uh, couple of questions from at the OEA Times I'm going to do these in reverse order because we get this question every week and I think we've said um, we've we've made both of our feelings on it uh, pretty clear but keeps coming in so we're going to keep answering it is Big Sam right when he says Jones should be a midfielder Fielder. No, Big Sam is is you know a dinosaur of football management, right? And it, uh, and his is a very typical belief amongst uh, British coaches that as soon as the player's got a little bit of talent, you need to move him further forward, and uh, that makes no sense for me. I think I think he's going to be uh, sorry for the cliche a world class central defender, and uh, all those talents he's got, passing, driving runs, and all that can be used extremely effectively there. Or he could be the next Gareth Barry. <laughs> Harsh, very harsh. I mean, I have to say, I said uh, no very emphatically. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't consider myself to be an expert on football by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, if he turns out to be a brilliant central defensive midfielder, I wouldn't be like surprised by that. But my my instinct is the same as yours. Make him make him a great ball playing defender. Um, although I mean, I, I think he does have potential to be a better midfielder than Gareth Barry. Certainly, interesting to see Capello comparing him to Barres. Super high praise, and Capello's not really given to that sort of thing, is he? No, he's not. He's really not. He doesn't go with the hyperbole at all, and uh, it, it's surprising, unusual, and a mark of the talent that, that Jones has. I think, yeah, he's uh, he's really seen. I mean, I, I think, but that, that was the right comparison. He compared him to Fernando Hierro and Franco Baresi, both very fine ball-playing defenders. Uh, Hierro played quite a bit of his uh, his career in midfield as well. Baresi not so much. Uh, but yeah I think that's right I think he's going to be a very very fine ball playing central defender or a pretty good midfielder but there's two different things there you know just because you can do it it's the same debate with Rooney in midfield really you know yeah he can do it of course he can it's easy for him but his his talent's elsewhere so just one thing I hope with Jones I'm sure his talent will come through but I hope he doesn't suffer for that flexibility because and we've seen other players you know God forbid Ferguson works his magic and turns and turns Phil Jones into the next John O'Shea yeah no absolutely I don't think that's going to happen though because I don't think anyone ever compared uh, John O'Shea to Franco Baresi and Duncan Edwards <laughs> with all due 
respect to the lad. The Oye Times' other question I find to be <laughs> unacceptable in almost every way. Right, Ed? I want you to take some deep breaths before you answer this question. Remember, it's come from a listener who's been very loyal to the rank cast, big, big, big supporter, much appreciated. And I think he may have not been saying that he was on board. He just wanted our opinions, okay? You ready? How would you feel about Rafa Benitez applying for the Man United job? Next question. <laughs> Uh, someone wanted to see what we thought of United players on Twitter Michael Owen in particular but United players in general uh, it's interesting Scott from Republican Mancunio sort of had a pop at United players on Twitter for being really bland and then uh, some few hours later the former England captain la- launched a scathing attack on the leader of the football community which was fairly unbland uh, yeah I mean it's, um, it's in, yeah so Michael Owen is very, he's very bland on Twitter I, I don't it, there's just not a lot of value there is there let's be honest and there's Lindegaard's got great Twitter account I don't know whether you follow him one of the best one of the best yeah yeah no he's, he's really good he's he always got some interesting stuff to say yeah I, he likes to talk about picking his nose a lot it's slightly disturbing yeah I, I like him a few of the, the kids have a few things to say I mean you know Ravel's Twitter account can be interesting reading sometimes and a few of the you've seen Sam Johnson and Ezekiel Fryers and a few others I mean you know it's, it's the usual mix isn't it some, there's some insight and some some quite a lot of bland stuff you know and a lot of talk about playing FIFA 12 Yes, absolutely. In fairness, that's most of the people I follow. Um, we uh, had a question also uh, from at Jotsack, um, asking what we thought about the Van Persie rumours. Yeah, it's not going to happen. He's, he's got 18 months on his contract, so his agent will be putting out feelers to various clubs and stories in the papers to try and push the Arsenal board along to offer the kind of money that Van Persie wants. I, I, it's a difficult one for Arsenal because, I mean, this, this is a man who's you know, on fire at the moment. Right? He's a goal-a-game striker, and they probably won't want to offer him much more than a hundred grand a week and you know he's a, he's a player who could clearly earn a lot more than that elsewhere so it's going to be quite hard for Arsenal to keep him so and, and once he gets this summer they still haven't sorted a deal out then he's in the same position as Nasri and others that have been at Arsenal and the contract starts run, running down won't happen though not coming to United I mean he doesn't really fit a hole that we need to be filled for that kind of money no uh, he's a fantastically gifted player but this is his first season so far being very well not season but yeah he's been pretty injury free for a good period of time uh, longer than I can remember him and he is on in on absolute fire and an incredibly talented player but but we don't need to be spending huge huge chunks of our wage budget on a new brilliant striker not just striker but a forward yeah yeah, yeah. no no neither central midfielder would be nice I've heard it said that that, that might be quite useful at Saruman187 he's asked the question that I know everybody wants to ask Ed are the financial figures as positive as the media have portrayed them no. a bit a bit dark go well actually uh, United have moved from the, the sort of traditional UK accounting standard to uh, internationally agreed uh, accounting standards so you don't really count the amortisation part in there so it's not really a bit dark anymore it's more oh no yeah, oh, it, it's more what am I going to do yeah see this is this is what you pay for Paul this is the insight um, no well look uh, short answer yeah, is no the, the figures were not as good as widely reported uh, of course the club puts a lot of spin on it uh, in account Counting terms, United actually made a loss. And uh, funnily, you didn't hear that in many press releases or read it in many of the press releases United put out. So, yeah, actually made a loss. So, it, it's typical United quarter, really. This is a, a cash cow club, produces 
tons and tons of money obviously you know the commercials uh, the commercial team based in Park Lane uh, in London is pumping out all these deals see the fantastic one on DHL they somehow managed to convince DHL to spend 40 million pounds on sponsoring United's training kit and it's incredible really and it shows the, the kind of global reach and appeal that United has and, and so that's all very strong so strong commercial growth strong media rights growth in the Champions League pool obviously in England get the lion's share of that United get the lion's share of the English pool so um, strong growth there strong growth in match day income mainly that was to do with the uh, US tour uh, this this quarter is what you call Q1 but United's financial year runs from July the 1st to June 31st so the quarter between 1st of July and the end of September um, so included that tour um, so that all looks very good but but on the negative side player wages are going up and uh, we talked about this before I mean even though they got rid of wages uh, for Van der Sar, Hargreaves Neville Paul Scholes and Wes Brown John O'Shea um, new deals for Hernandez Chris Smalling Tom Cleverley they've all pushed out so actually a total wages rose during the quarter by 12% and you know, wage inflation continues unabated. Um, and then there's the interest. The United paid uh, uh, one of their two, uh, two annual bond interest payments over 20 million. Spent another 40 odd million on some bond buyback. That's more than 80 million they've spent on bond buyback now. So you know the Ronaldo money is no longer there, and we know that because United's cash reserves is down from 150 million to 65 million. It's pretty cyclical, actually. They always have more cash in the in the summer. So that's a very long answer to uh, that question. You know, basically the financials are not nearly as good as as uh, widely reported but but we have a football press that is not very good at uh, digging into these things say for uh, david con and a couple of others and uh, they just uh, churn out what united tells them so it's interesting stuff and i'd like to dedicate that section of the show to at dan oliver who very kindly gave us a shout out on his twitter feed the other day and uh, said that he particularly enjoys your financial stuff so there you well, go someone's got to yes yeah, so someone's listening and to everyone else putting that economics degree to good use aren't I <laughs> to, to everyone else that white noise you heard for the last sort of four or five minutes or so that was Ed talking about United Finances the final final Twitter question this is a really important one of the week uh, from AlexChase83 can we somehow fit some discussion about Skyrim into the next Rantcast well uh, now that you mention it uh, Ed I'm, I'm, I'm I know you don't really like to do off topic things on the podcast but anyone that's been following me on Twitter knows that uh, after being injured and not being able to really get about very much I, uh, I made good use of my time by playing a video game called Skyrim and if you like video games you should probably be playing it I don't know what Skyrim is no you see that's because you're a grown up with, who is married and makes responsible life choices is it is it some kind of derivative swap market or anything that I might understand <laughs> No, but there is a pretty complex functioning supply and demand based economy in the world of uh, in the world of Skyrim. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, go play that. I do have a football management team. I kind of randomly picked and ended up with uh, Angie Makalekala, who aren't very good, despite all their and aren't even that rich either. Ah, uh, that's a, you see, it's not good when you when you go to a club like that and they don't have the money they're supposed to have. Were you seeing if you could make them the dominant force in world football? Yeah, then? I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot, but but my uh, my budget is being drained by Samuel Eto's vast wages. <laughs> um, what was that team that you, or that, some Italian non-league team that you made the most dominant force in European football a few years ago? Castel de Sangro, yeah, there's a there's a fantastic book by Joe McGuinness who kind of inspired me to, to take that on many years ago, it's called The Miracle of Castel de Sangro, they're kind of regional Italian team. I, I, I don't know, there's been a few others. I, I haven't played football management for a football manager 
for a couple of years now so you know I'm just going to give it a shot I, I highly recommend this one it's absolutely it's fantastic but I would definitely it's definitely not number one in my game of year game of the year charts that would be the Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim and that ends this week's nerd talk on the Rantcast we are going to be going to Wales now I would just like to give uh, some very good advice to all the United team if you go for a walk by a lake when you're in Wales just be really really sure of your footing because we don't want anyone getting knee-knack from uh, from having a wander in the lovely Welsh countryside don't want any of that knee-knack stuff so I'm, I'm glad you've taken one for the team Paul <laughs> exactly yes yes Swansea a pretty shitty city that's that's all I know about Swansea I, I, I don't think I've ever actually been there you never been to Swansea I, I, I went to Swansea so. before it was regenerated and that's the only time I've ever been in a pub where there were used syringes on the floor so that was great nice you didn't clean up after yourself then harsh uh, there are some very beautiful parts of the world near Swansea and it's uh, uh, there's been a huge amount of regeneration work and I think it's old reputation is probably quite unfounded uh, as a person who lives in a city which everyone thinks is terrible but actually isn't quite as bad as everyone thinks uh, I suspect that's the case for Swansea but yeah uh, European football twice uh, over the next week yes that's right Swansea plays some fantastic football look at it I mean you know I know it's it's it's, it's always a bit patronising isn't it talk, talking about the teams that come here and go oh they play some really nice football they do actually play some really good football Swansea so, and they, they do keep the ball very well and it'd be interesting to see how United approaches this one they've got a pretty good record at the, at the Liberty Stadium I think it's called now their new stadium yeah and, and you know it's the Fortress Fortress Wales isn't it a bit interesting to see what team Sir Alex picks a, a lot of a lot of choices to make the international break was not too harsh on us in terms of injuries it seems anyone anyone come back with a, a knock that I don't know about no I don't think so and I, I think I think some of the key injuries that, that were in the squad have, have healed themselves so we, we mentioned Ashley Young it looks like he's fit again probably start and, and it could be that Tom Cleverley starts as well which would be nice wouldn't it it seems like he's fit again and, and uh, Rio didn't play he's fit Vidic didn't play he's fit uh, Rooney didn't play he's fit so it's, it's all good I mean I, I suppose Fabio played for Brazil didn't he so he had a couple of games there so that he, I don't know whether that will affect his freshness and uh, uh, Hernandez was away with Mexico score as if you needed to say that yeah, that's what he does. And and so, yeah, a couple of choices to make there. Danny Welbeck's got this thigh problem, so it looks like he'll probably miss out. But really, the injury problems are pretty minimal at the moment. Obviously, Michael Owen's out, but, you know, he's, he's always out. So he'll miss his key game in the next few weeks, which, which was the, uh, the Carling Cup home tie with Crystal Palace. So harsh. So weird. But anyway, we've talked about this at length. Um, I, I guess the fact that the Basel game has got enormous significance means that the, the Swansea game might again see more rotation than you uh, would ordinarily expect in an away trip in the Premier League but Ferguson won't be taking the trip to Swansea for granted at all because as you say they've they've played some really good stuff and they've done really really well at home yeah I, I, I they're a good side they're a good side and uh, it's a it's the way uh, it's their away performances which will decide whether they stay in the division or not I think uh, they, they they'll pick up points at home and and United are not great on the road over the last you know 18 months or so so it's uh, it will be interesting uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, uh, he will rotate a little bit. It'd be f- really hard to pick. I- I'd like to see cleverly play, but if he doesn't play against Swansea, uh, he'll probably 
possibly play against Basel and, and uh, again that's a really key game that one it, given given the United situation in the group I mean you know God forbid United actually beaten in that game it could make it a little tricky um, a win will pretty much qualify the team yeah and, and you know we, the, that crazy crazy game against Basel you can't see that being repeated really can you and we, we should be too strong for them assuming we play to anything like our capacity away because you know our away form last season didn't really extend to performances in Europe it was our domestic away form that was a problem I mean away from home in Europe we're boring but that's that's been the case for five years or something hasn't it it, it has and, and in fact I mean you know any game over, well the last three games we've been extremely boring and, and I guess that was just what was needed after the City disaster so you know three three clean sheets in a row and uh, I'm sure that's what Ferguson will be looking for against Swansea you know go there do not concede and we'll see what happens uh, after that and, and United will be very controlled in, in Switzerland and, and that's the way they play away from home it's not exciting stuff but it, it's been extremely effective yeah I mean and, and you kind of can't really fault it for that um, as, as we've said before the only time that boring football really becomes a problem is when it stops working then 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 that's really a problem because if you're playing exciting football that's not working then you have some credit in the bank for the style of play but if, if you're dull and losing that's then you're really in trouble but that's not been the case at United we've been dull and winning and, and I think it's probably worth saying Ferguson has engineered the post-City debacle period extremely effectively and yeah it's not been pretty to watch but the results the results have been really functional just rebuilding that machine that habit of winning you know all, all those kinds of things well I, I think we said after after the City game you know there's there's no other manager you'd want for the, the post-City reaction and uh, he knew what he was doing he, you know he's, he said right we are not going to concede now and, and uh, you know to a pretty lucky at Everton but but played in a very negative way really and, and uh, again against Sunderland it kind of felt there was a need to be compact and, and not concede and just about manage that so I, I suspect I mean you know predictions time I guess but I, I'm going to say probably United will go for a couple of 1-0 wins and, and Ferguson would be delighted if that was the case yeah uh, um, mm, mm, predictions I'm going to go 2-1 against Swansea and 3-1 against Bowl Ball's out there Paul that's, that's very bold somehow I also predict that Gary Neville if commentating will not call them Basel anymore which will be sad in a way but also probably for the best yes well you know it's important to get these things right culturally <laughs> it is absolutely I agree it's Swansea <laughs> very good yeah right so I, I guess having put the world to rights and solved racism and you know football finance and all that kind of stuff we can uh, call that a rant cast for the we week we certainly can we'll be back next week with more of the same hopefully celebrating a couple of decent wins I'd uh, like to very much thank Ali G probably not that Ali G and Just and Jude for writing some very nice reviews on iTunes to make us all feel better about the terrible review we got a couple of weeks ago so thank you very much for that much appreciated we're, we're not going to stop going on about this terrible review are we <laughs> no it's just that our average rating has gone from five stars to four and a half stars and the OCD in me doesn't like it so thank you very very much and if you do feel so inclined uh, reviews on iTunes always much appreciated and at some point Ed we should think about maybe producing some merchandise since people actually want that if you would like to buy stuff from us at, at, at me on Twitter at UTD Rantcast or at Ed at United Rant um, or drop us an email at cast at United Rant dot co dot UK alright very good and uh, we'll see you next week I'm off to play Skyrim see you then <laughs>